FMX Network Production. You cast me, complete me till death do us part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmx.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Five and a half hours of getting lit up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was probably the hardest I've ever battled for sixth place in my life. We have a guy that couldn't clear a 10-foot triple. You blew a 200-pound dude off his bike. <laughs> Fucking get him. So I'll do whatever it takes to win. Duns, if you come back and win, I'm going to be so pissed. I started realizing, like, you know, something's missing. Both of Second. your success started with me. <laughs> you should go to the Hall of Fame, not Rod. My spark plug cap stayed on, Lee. Phil, Phil still owes me some rent money, and then uh, you know, I'm still a little bitter about him uh, beating my ass in the kitchen. He would be in the middle of the track on a rollout, just, I guess, waving at fans. I remember, like, being cross-eyed, and Johnny's like, keep going. <laughs> Gallagher was the worst. I hate, I hate fucking finish lines. Hunter died in front of me, and your butthole's puckered, and you're like, yeah, I don't know if this is enough or not enough. <laughs> And I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm hitting that. Dude, Dude Hymas right? is out there here out throwing oppos and shit. And I'm like, nah. He's got to line up next to like A-Ray. Dude's like A-Ray. <laughs> like that's, that's not a great time. But you know what people say? Be happy, man. You're not working a nine to five. For 1900 bucks, yeah, so you no get the end off a Supercross triple. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Josh, I want 10% when you sell that fucking thing. Uh, you know who I did fuck over? A-Ray was in because he's like, bro, I'm so broke. It's all in the emails, people. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Dude, these guys would kill their mom for 100 bucks. <laughs> I know. I mean, Asheville Arena Cross, you're killing somebody for yeah. $800. I haven't jerked off all week. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go. I got Gare Bear. Yeah. After Chiz wins, Gare Bear's like, <laughs> I told you. I told you. Like, yeah. I got chizzed on. He used to be on a pony pot. About once a month. Yeah. Don't hit and fucking run. I would have lost my shit. Well, guys, it's time for another Pulp Mix wrap-up show. I'm your host, Darkside, from the Moto X Pod Show. We have a bunch to get to tonight, so let's introduce my guest. First up, he's been on a few times from Seal Savers. It's my buddy, Mason Mill. What's up, Mason? Hey, Darkside. How's it going, man? I'm doing good over here. Yeah, it's going good. It's going good, man. Just got off work, getting things packed. Going to be heading to Dallas to fly to Chris Kiefer's tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll probably jump talk about that a little bit towards the end of the show since it's sort of Pulp Mix related. But before we do that, also on the phone, he's a first-timer. You guys may know him from Twitter. Uh, he's at CMXR on Twitter. He's brought to you by Guts Racing tonight. His, uh, his real name is Cotton. What's going on, man? Mr. Side, how you doing? Mr. Side. Man, I, I don't know how many damn nicknames I have now from everybody. Mr. Side, <laughs> Dark Side. Fuck, Steve throwing a monkey wrench in my uh throwing a monkey wrench in the process here. Cotton, since this is your first time, before we get into episode five hundred four, um, give us a little bit of it, your background as far as pulp goes, man. Where'd you discover it? How long you been listening? Well, um, 
So I actually started listening to the Pulp Show back when I was in high school. Um, I graduated 2012, so that's, you know, 10 years ago. And uh, I can remember being a high schooler coming out, mowing the lawn and stuff and putting my headphones in, listening to <laughs> listening to the Pulp Show. And DMXS Radio was a lot bigger back then. I used to listen to those guys, and that was actually how I found out about the Pulp Show. Um, but I've just been a lifelong fan of the sport. I grew up riding dirt bikes and racing hair scrambles and local motocross stuff around here. I never really got uh, into the big scene of, of like racing Loretta Lens and, and the bigger amateur nationals like that. I was more of like the Victory Sports, Mega Ultra Series, Southern All-Stars, stuff like that. I, I would race that or, or GNCC stuff, uh, you know, just different things like that. And so... I've just always been a lifelong diehard fan of the sport and uh, created that Twitter account uh, about a year ago now. And it's just kind of blown up, you know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it's really cool to be able to just make a bunch of different friends that are kind of into the same thing that I'm into and love to talk about dirt bikes. Absolutely. All right, well, this week on episode 504, man, it was a full house. Uh, Cooper Webb, Filthy Phil Nicoletti, Seth Rarick, all in studio. On the phone, they had Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chris Blows. And, guys, usually with that many people in studio, Mason, it's it gets pretty hectic. Um, what were your thoughts on it, man? I think they really did a good job of um, s- dividing up the time and the mic. You know, it wasn't like everybody was talking over themselves. Cooper was a little bit quiet some of the time. I thought it worked out really well, though, for that many people in studio. Yeah, I thought for that many people, it was one of the better ones. Um, it was great listening to Coop kind of open up a little bit and show a little bit of personality. I mean, Phil's great. Uh, I don't personally know a ton about Seth, but um, seems like an awesome dude, and I really enjoyed listening to him. Yeah, Cotton, I want to get your thoughts, too, on the show, and I want to get your thoughts on Cooper as a guest. Um you know, I, what you just said, Mason, I, I've talked, I've had a chance, obviously, we're going to get to this too, talked to Cooper a lot of times. Um, and he's always been a cool dude. Like when you really get a chance to talk to him one-on-one, especially like off, just in the press conference, you know, one-on-one or whatever, he's always had some personality. Like he's he's pretty cool guy. I really liked him. I thought we were pretty cool. Still think we're cool, but again, we'll get to that. But Cotton, um, what are your thoughts, man, on the show overall? Caught, uh, Cooper in studio, how he did? No, I thought it was pretty good. Um, honestly, I think Steve definitely knew what he was doing by getting uh, – and I don't know if he planned on this. I know he said that they all kind of concocted this little plan to come to the show, but having Phil and Seth on with Coop, I think really helped Coop be able to kind of get into a comfort zone and, and be able to open up a little bit more than he would have if it was just him coming on. Definitely, and, definitely. You know, I mean, those, those guys, when you get to that high of a level and, and you've got media people all over, all over you and fans all over you, it's real easy to get into, like, Villapoto or Dungy. You know, some of those guys, they had personalities and they just hit them in the middle of their career and they didn't really come out as much. I, I thought Dungy came out a little bit more than he usually does. You know, for the most part, you, you hear bad things about Dungy's interviews and how he's so politically correct and boring and sounds like a robot. But I even thought he kind of opened up a little bit more last night. Yeah, he seemed – you could hear the excitement about coming back. So you're right. And we're going to get to Ryan. Um, yeah, you, I think you guys are both right. You guys hit it on the head. How it went. And, yeah, definitely having Rarick and Phil there 
because they're such good buddies, it was, you know, and, you know, with Rarick and Phil busting balls and not treating Cooper like he's a superstar, right? He's just a buddy. I think Cooper right. kind of fell into that, you know, busting back and, and, and he, you know, he's a little quiet. He's a little shy um, at times. So, yeah, it worked out. And some of that came out. And he's certainly very blunt when it comes to things. And we're going to get to all that stuff. Let's start with, though, uh, Cooper just talking about his year so far. And, you know, Steve said, hey, man, it didn't go very well. Let's listen to what they said. You know, you're an all timer, two titles, right? Some incredible rides. Uh, this year, no wins, few podiums. Uh, an injury like it didn't go your way um we know the brand new bike had something to do with it there's no doubt i talked to somebody at ktm halfway through supercross and they're like hey i think it's half on us and half on coop right now this was somebody at ktm i got to the point where i'd won that championship and i was getting pretty burnt and probably was gonna only race one more year yep um and i really thought about it and and I uh, just wanted to kind of do something different, switch it up. And so that was kind of the, the theory of, of switching up programs mm-hmm. and, and doing something new and different and more to, in my mind, extend my career and, and just have something to look forward to as bad as that sounds. He said, I, I haven't been able to gel with the bike right away. Right. Um, but I think it was a little bit of, you know, off the track stuff. I think there was a lot of stuff going on behind the closed doors where it was me versus certain people and trying to prove every single thing right or wrong about me okay and uh, a lot to prove a lot on my chest and, and a lot oh, of it was self-induced yeah no no I, i'm glad you say that because yeah it, you could have just took the easy way yeah and mm-hmm. run the same program yeah i started to ride with with jet and hunter a lot yep and then jet actually got hurt so it was one of those things where and hunter was a bit like me in practice where okay. he's pretty far off yep so i was riding great felt great you know bike was good i think one of the things that that we kind of messed up on was we never once rode the old bike this whole off season. Every week we're changing the bike. I mean, massive changes, massive changes. So I'm not a guy where, where I can just hop on something brand new and go balls to the walls. It was tough to get the right setting, get the right setting. We're, we're kind of like in that period where should have never left Alden's. You're out of shape. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, well, it is tough. Yeah, so Cotton, I'm going to go to you first. Like that last, one of those last things he said really struck me where like when this was going on, you know, Mathis is reporting about, you know, Burner and, and the, the parting ways. It felt like he was being forced to part ways with Burner and probably wasn't what he wanted to do. And, he's, you know, I'm thinking, oh, he's probably pissed off. He's having to go back to Alden's for KTM and, or whatever. And now he's like, hey, he comes on here and he opens up. He's like, man, it's probably, you know, it was the wrong choice probably to leave Alden's. I needed to do this, uh, you know, and shouldn't have left Alden's to begin with. And that was like a little bit revolutionary, to, or you know, to me. Like I did not expect that from him. I kind of thought he was going to come on here and be like, "Well, as you know, team forced me to do it." Blah blah blah. So I, man, he really opened up and gave us some information that I didn't expect. Yeah, I, I kind of thought the same that he would be the same way as you said, um, but you know, at the same time. You can get as fit as as anywhere, whether you're at Alden's on his program. If you've been through that a couple of years, you understand what it takes. You can do that anywhere. But I think one thing that would be missing in his program with Burner instead of with with Alden is just having that competition every day and having somebody push you and and get you to that level. I mean, you know, I don't even know how – 
anybody would be able to gauge Cooper Webb in the offseason because everybody talks about, you know, he's such a racer and he, he's in the moment. And so if he's just cutting laps in the offseason at a track somewhere, a lot of people would be like, oh, well, you know, Cooper, he'll find a way in the race. He'll pull it together. But, you know, I don't even understand how you would gauge where you're at whenever you're a guy like Cooper Webb. But I feel like the biggest thing I think that he missed out on just by not being in Alden's was having that competition and that pressure. Because whether you're a practice guy or a race guy, that's going to push you every day, having that hanging over your head. Yeah, I think, you know, him being riding with the Lawrence brothers would still be, he'd still get some of that, but I think it's very different. It's not as structured, probably. You don't have Alden breathing down your neck about all the things you eat and et cetera, and right. the science behind it that he does. So it probably was a very different environment. But uh, Mason, like, I think it was a big deal. You know, Cooper needed that, right? We talk about Jason Anderson and Eli and, and uh, switching your program. Sometimes you need to do that. And Webb tried to switch his program up a little bit. Uh, you know, he said he was burnt out and maybe he was only going to race one more year. Uh, again, something I wasn't aware of. So I think Steve did a fantastic job of asking the right questions and getting Webb comfortable and, and answering them. And then Webb did a great job of responding. Uh, what were your thoughts? Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think we could go on all day on Cooper Webb going back and forth. Sure. Bobby, Chim, Ferner, and Alden. But, you know, change doesn't work for everybody. Some people need to just go with what you know and you know what works. I think that's part right. of the draw to Alden is you know it's going to work. And obviously, Cooper had a ton of great success there. So going back to home in a way is, is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, we hope the best form going forward. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Aldens in a minute, but um, I want to switch topics just a little bit and talk about Justin Barsha. Obviously, that was a big, a big topic of Saturday at Salt Lake City, and that discussion got brought up. Uh, he was docked, you know. But let's let's listen to what they had to say. I want to hear what you guys think about their responses. He got docked ten points. He he lost fourth in the points to Marv. Now he's fifth. My whole thing with Bam was, like, for a long time, whenever he did these moves, he would go, I don't know what you guys are talking about. It's hard yeah. racing. Like, and we all like, dude, just own it. This one, he does it to Mookie, and, I mean, I thought that was greasy. Okay. I think it's stupid, but so he, But then he gets up there, and he's just like, uh, hey, man, I'm racing for money, and I'm racing, and this is what I've been doing all my whole life, and this is how I race. Even if he got Mookie, he wasn't getting third in the points. He was, there was right. a big enough gap where Malcolm, if he'd Malcolm had brought it home in fourth, he it was, was only, still. There's only four points, though. So I think if he hit him and they wanted to break parts if he knows the points in his head and he knows that this pass isn't going to get him third in the points then that tells me he was li- trying to yeah, break trying parts to, trying to end or him. break yeah. legs one position wasn't enough it had to be two or three in order to make a difference in that position he's hoping that he's down long enough that he doesn't have a chance to pass me or mark mm-hmm. yeah i'm sorry man like i'm all for hard racing and all that but that is bs problem i have is he goes straight to the podium so he's yeah. protected by his Dude, team he and clicked, won't, won't as face he, he won't clicked, face Mookie yeah, Mark he, took, he landed off that finish line checkered flag and he clicked gears to get back to the podium right like dude you're running yeah Why, what are you running from you yeah. did it yeah. yeah you did it just sit there and take it mason so this is cool because steve can get all kinds of shit for Whatever people want to give him shit for, you know, stirring the pot, whatever it is people want to give shit Steve Steve shit for. When it comes down to it, he does not care about being buddies with these guys. He just recently, it seems like, you know, 
Bended hit the fence with Barsha and be, got Barsha back on the show. But, hey, he calls it as it is in his eyes. It was bullshit. He didn't like it. He talked about it on the review show. Uh, you know, and, hey, he kind of said, like, hey, I think, well, Cooper said he's trying to break parts. And Steve said, yeah, it's bullshit. Uh, I don't agree with it. Like, that, that, that could be the only reason for what he did, really, the way he did it. I love that Steve has no problem. Like, he's not sugarcoating it. He's not like, oh, I'm worried that Barsha won't come back on the show. I, he, he says it how it is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll see if he keeps doing that as this Mav TV thing goes on. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, Steve always does a great job of, of calling it how he sees it. And I think that everybody uh, that watched the race is going to agree with everything that they said, uh, just like I do, and I'm sure you guys do as well. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, Mason, or Cotton, part of the, what wasn't in the audio was Cooper Webb saying that he thought the points taken away was a little bit extreme. And of course the other guys remind him, Hey man, he was on probation, you know, and a fine is one thing. Now points might actually, you know, Cooper went to say maybe the, the large amount of points may actually affect him because maybe it, it seems more real to Cooper or to Barsha and that those points could have been worth a lot of money. Yeah. I feel like that was the whole reason that he, run it in there uh-huh. on Mookie was because he thought he was going to get, you know, he, like he said it on the podium, we're racing for, for a championship. We're racing for points and for money. So that I feel like it hit him where it hurts because had there not have been something on the line for him, as far as a big incentive money wise, I don't think he would have done it. But at the same time, I don't know what he was thinking to have done it because you know, you're going to get docked for it. You're going to get in trouble. Like, I mean, I'm this, I feel the same way as Steve did on his pass on Anderson earlier in the year. I thought that was, for the most part, clean. It was it was rough, but it was clean. I think Anderson could have worked his way out of there. But what he did with Mookie just, it, I mean, it's scummy. That's all. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't. I'm not trying to piss anybody off, but at the same time, I'm not trying to make any friends either. I'll call it like I see it. So yeah, I don't like moves like that. I've talked about that a bunch. Uh, in the during the review show, I think it was Weege that was saying like, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter to these guys. So a guy like Barsha, if they put him on probation and then they put him on a second probation and he does it again and it's just a few points, like it's not really doing anything. You, you know, it has to. A, di- a disqualification might need to come at some point. Like that's how they they need to. There needs to be actual uh, repercussions for these things. And you know, and Seth Rarick said Monday night, like, well, nothing's going to change. And, and he's probably right because we've seen so far nothing's going to change. But if they, but you're right, uh, Cotton. I think his goal, it seems to me, was to hopefully knock him down and hope that he can't get back up into a points position to take third overall in the series. I mean that that seems like logically the only reason he would do that. Now, really, who knows what's going on in Barsha's head. He's a little different when it comes to these, his thought process. We, he's proven that. But I like Steve calling him out. I love the general conversation of what the different guys thought about this. Um, you know, In the end, I think they kind of all came to the same conclusion. But it was a really good question. And, and it would have been cool to get Barsha on to talk about it. Uh, that didn't happen, obviously, Monday night. But that's all right. Um, let's talk about the – hey, Cotton, do you, uh, do you do any working out? you do any uh, bicycling, mountain biking, anything like that? I do a little bit. Um, I'm I'm working on getting. Um, I've been kind of putting some money aside. I've been listening to Steve talk about that e-bike so much. Okay. I, I think I might start get on that at some point in time. Okay. Well, when you do, you got to get yourself some Michelin bicycle tires, 
They are a, a big-time sponsor, proud sponsor, putting out a fortune for this show so that I get paid every month. Michelin Bicycle Tires, uh, since in 1891, Michelin pat- patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin Bicycle Tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill and myself, Darkside, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products, including the Wild Enduro, which I use, the E-Wild, the 20-inch BMX Pilot Tires, or any other road models, bike.michelin.com. Hit them up. Um, all right, so I want to talk about Dungey coming on. All right, right we've all heard in the last couple of weeks about Dungey. He's coming back outdoors. Maybe he's going to race two races. Kind of pretty much said Monday night he's going to race them all. That's his goal. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny, and I, I, I may be even blowing Steve out a little bit about this. I don't know if you caught it. He, Steve said, you know, he had heard, he had talked to somebody that said he's testing for us, and then he very quickly said, I mean KTM, as if yeah, I caught that. Yeah, I took it as Steve basically threw somebody under the bus that worked for KTM for giving him the information instead of just saying somebody heard he was riding for KTM. Um, so <laughs> that, I, I liked it a little bit, Mason, that he was sort of, he sort of, uh, I think he let something slip. I feel like, yeah, I noticed that too. I definitely think something slipped there. Yep. Um, uh, we'll see what happens with it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, I mean, I don't think anything happened, but it, it was, it was, uh, I caught it too. And I was like, Oh, I'm writing that down. And then I started thinking, should I even bring it up on the wrap up? But what kind of wrap up show would it be if I didn't bring it up, Steve? So uh, no, good call, Dark. Yeah, good call. Thank you, man. Thank you. Got to break the news. You know, you got to call people out. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of them talking to Ryan Dungey about why he's coming back. What the hell are you thinking, Ryan? What what went into this situation? <laughs> what went into this? Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people have that. But <laughs> honestly, um, you know, this is something I've wanted to do for a while. I mean, I think year after year, um, you know, granted if the right circumstances came about. Um. Uh, you know, I wanted I wanted that opportunity, you know, to, to be able to have that challenge. And it's something um, that, that, you know, I didn't think it was going to happen, but as things kind of came together this year and, you know, I've always, you know, took care of my body, you know, tried to stay in shape the best that I could. Um, did I ride all the time? Not, not all the time, but I always stayed in pretty good shape. So, you know, when it got back on the bike, when things started warming up here, um, things were really good. And then the guys needed a little bit of help and they wanted to, little help out in california some some testing and i thought yeah let, let's go check it out and the speed was good it felt good and you know there's some opportunity that opened up there with some of the guys um you know like like Coop sitting out the outdoors and and marvin not doing outdoors either and so i was like hey maybe there's maybe there's something here so i kind of knocked on a door and and once you know it opened up and um it's pretty cool though. i'm i'm excited I, I i really am i've i've been uh you know last two three months been really putting in a lot of time trying to prepare yeah i'm surprised man like you know you you've got you've done everything in the sport you you've made a ton of money your legacy is secured but it's still driving you to come race the nationals uh yeah i'm impressed that you that you want to do this you want to challenge yourself i mean all honestly yeah i want to i want to go out there and compete for wins you know that that is that is my goal it's a tall order Mm -hmm. um but you know, it's. I think the biggest thing for me right now is just putting in the time, the physical prep. Dunge, if you come back and win, I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> Mason, that's perfect, Phil. Uh, Mason, like, it, it's sort of, first of all, no coffee talk. That was great. That was a great part of this Ryan Dunge uh, interview. We didn't have to hear about the, the coffee again. But, like, he's right, mentally, it seems like he's right back 
where he was just a few years ago, right? He's ready to go racing. He's planning on trying to win. And with the mental toughness we've seen out of Ryan and the consistency he used to bring, like, and I feel like there's no reason he can't be that consistent and that, um, I'm not going to say successful because I don't expect him to be a podium guy very regularly, but I think he's going to be something to be reckoned with just with his mental capacity and hearing him on here, like he does sort of seem like he's back in race mode. Yeah. And I don't think he'd be lining up if he wouldn't be competitive. I mean, there's too many smart people over there that would, you know, tell him he's not quite there anymore. Um, if he wasn't going to be shooting that, uh, for that podium spot. Yeah. Do you think he can win? You know, I, I, I won't say championship. Do you think he can win multiple races? Uh, I, no, I don't think so. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he did, just because it's done. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think he will. I, I'm right there with you, Cotton Man. Thoughts on what Dungey had to say? You know, like you know, obviously we follow him on social media. You know, the guy's kind of you know he's strict. He's very uh, not focused. That's not the word I want. He he keep, he kind of seemed to be like he follows his his routine. I think, and he said he keeps he's been keeping his body in shape, and I can see that. Like I don't think Dungey's a guy that's ever going to let himself go, and he's been testing. So uh, the fact that he wants to come back and race, uh, you know, even though Steve says he's got millions of dollars or whatever, I'm not surprised that he's back. Like he's one of the few guys when he announced it, I wasn't like, oh, that's stupid. That's ridiculous. You know, I'm like, yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, I've had people even ask me, uh, my dad, when he heard the news the other day, he was like, man, what? can you believe that Dungy's coming back? What makes him want to do that? I mean, he's got – everything in the world he's got oh he's already got titles he's got all the money in the bank and and i was just like well why not i mean dunge is that kind of guy where he just needs something in his life to keep him going and keep driving and wake up for every day and i mean the opportunity came and he's already tried to dip his toes back in multiple times mm-hmm. over the last few years so i mean it's kind of like you could see that it was coming and uh you know my main thing with it is i just hope that Dunge doesn't come into it with, you know, unrealistic expectations or, or I hope it, it, you know, he doesn't get down if he doesn't finish as well as he thinks he's going to. And I'm not saying the guy can't because, you know, like you just said, we all know that he's still in peak athletic shape and he has been putting in hours on the bike. I mean, behind the scenes. I think he's going to be as prepared as he possibly can be. But at the same time, when you haven't had a gate drop in six years at the highest level like that, you're going to have some problems getting in there and dealing with that intensity. So, yeah, yeah. Race pace, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I could see him having a really good finish more towards the end of the year once he kind of gets his feet wet and he figures it out again and kind of gets back into it. I don't know if he's going to just come out guns blazing, you know, in these first couple of rounds. But I think by the end of the year, if he sticks it out and he doesn't, you know, just say, oh, well, I'm not doing good. I'm just going to give it up. If he really sticks it out, I think by the end of the year, we'll see him top five, top three, honestly. Okay. All right. So, but having – Sorry, Darkside. I wonder where um, Steve's source um, has him – (laughs) <laughs> yeah, not gonna, not gonna ask that question. <laughs> what do you think he can get more than one win, Cotton? Realistically, do you think he gets more than one? Not could he, but does he? 
Um, honestly, no. Um, I think Millville's a little bit later on in the schedule, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it's midway-ish. I, I haven't looked exactly yet, but yeah, I think so. It's, a, it's like maybe two months in. I mean, I think if he was going to get a win, I feel like it would be at Millville. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, uh, that's fine. I'll, I'll write that one down. We'll see how that goes. Um, let's listen to what some of the in-studio guys thought about whether he's going to win or not. Do you think he can win, though, for real? Great, great, great radio. <laughs> I fucking great, great waffling radio. so hard. I don't. Yeah, I just know. We'll I, problem is, I raced Dungeness Prime, so I know how that how he is. I just don't know how do you. I don't know how you get back to that when you're out of it because the intensity is the the thing. When you're in it every week, you take that for granted. I don't know. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> cool. That's my teammate, dude. I can't say. Okay. Dude. Nah. Um, can he win? Are we saying races, championship, just races, win anything? Races. It's a tall order. Like, can he? Yes, but will he? I don't think so. Yeah. If he does, holy shit, that's a story. Yeah, if he does, it's Dude. unbelievable. It's, yeah. un- it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. 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 It's if like he- a Rocky type story. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah. So, for the most part, they're kind of on board with what we said. I think every, but look. Ryan may very well come out and surprise every one of us. I, I thought the caller, I think his name was Ryan that called in, was kind of like, hey, man, I'm excited. Like, i kind of excited you're coming back. I wasn't the biggest fan of yours, but a win is a stretch. Like, hey, props to Ryan for throwing it out there. Uh, he wasn't afraid to say what he thought. So, uh, But Ryan seems to have everybody's kind of stacked against him of what you know whether they think he can do it or not, and that's sometimes very motivating. So we're, we're going to see. It's going to be good. I, I do think Cairoli comes in and beats him at Paula. That's what I believe. But um, and, and I like that Cooper Webb also, Mason, kind of came up with a question and said, hey, what's your mindset now versus before when you're racing all the time? And that's kind of – Cotton sort of touched on this. Ryan's like, man, having kids, you know, you realize something in your life is missing when you've worked so hard all those years and focused so much on – championships or just being competitive and then that's all of a sudden just completely gone and you don't do that anymore and he's like hey me and Lindsay, we got kind of like a little bored like that was real that was like real conversation mason yeah man we're just kind of a little bored like our lives have changed so much and i need that thing that that piece to the puzzle that i don't have anymore that was really an honest answer as cotton said like not so politically correct in this this particular interview that felt like the real Ryan Dungey. Like he's sitting around the house with the family. He's like, "Man, I'm just, I need something to do. Man, I need, I need that back." Yeah, I mean, Dungey left uh, while he was on top. We kind of went through the Ryan era there with him and Villapoto, and he left on top. So I'm wondering if he still feels like he left something on the table, and if he feels like he can get up and get it. Why not go for it? I'm really curious to see what happens at Paula and. Uh, I mean, KTM's not going to want anybody out there that's not going to be competitive going for wins and podiums. So whether that's Cairoli or Dungey, um, I think the KTM's going to be near the front. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Cotton, I, yeah, I, don't, I think he's going to be pretty ready. You know, Maybe 90% ready, I don't know. But, yeah, he's been riding, he's been testing. The guy's got tons of talent. Uh, it's it's funny, like, when he was talking on the show Monday night about him and Lindsey being bored and the kids, like, I feel like I remember Lindsey being – kind of like nervous or, you know, like, like I felt like she was probably glad he wasn't racing anymore. Right. He had a couple big crashes that were kind of scary. 
I wonder what how she feels about him coming back. But based off the way he talked Monday night, it felt like they were both like, yeah, we miss going to the races. We miss having this every weekend. Do you do you agree or do you think there's something else behind it? I feel like there's a, a part of her just like anybody. I mean, that's your husband. That's the father of your children. And she doesn't want to see him go out there and get hurt by any sure, means. Sure. She's seen the really dark side of this sport where we you know as racers we get hurt i mean i've been hurt and i haven't gone anywhere near the speed that ryan dungey can go and um so you know there's obviously a part of her that's going to have that in the back of her head but at the same time i'm sure she's really supportive of her husband and and i know she probably enjoyed it back whenever they were doing it and they were they were just i mean there's no other way to put it when they were balls deep in it (laughs) you know i mean (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I think it's a little bit of both. I'm sure they, they're ready to get back into it and, and they miss it. But at the same time, she probably is a little bit worried in the back of her head. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan's getting a little older, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it sounded like I just thought it was a really honest kind of like human answer or topic. I liked it. Um, and Phil, Phil kind of asked him if, you, you know, if he had changed something, like Eli Tomac did, change teams during his program. Do you think he would keep doing it? And again, he was pretty honest. He's like, no, man, the mental exhaustion was just there. You know, he said he, he maybe he did, he should have made some decision changes, different decisions in his career, but uh, he, he kind of made it sound like, no, he probably would not have changed things. At that time, he was just over it, you know, and, and now he's ready to come back. So that was cool. Uh, one more thing I want to ask about Dungy is, well, actually a couple, I guess. Mason, the question was asked, uh, Dungey in his prime versus Cooper in his prime, and they put a poll up, and I believe Dungey pretty much won that thing hands down. I never saw the final one, but just your thoughts, man. Uh, just very quickly, in their prime, who who do you got, Mason? Uh, I would pick Coop just because of him late in the race. I think that Dungey would just be steady all the way through, but I yeah. think that at the end, Coop would run him down. I, okay. I'm, I'm, before I get my opinion, I'm going to ask Cotton. Same question. All right, so I think they kind of screwed up on that poll because they didn't specify whether it was indoors or outdoors. And I know that when the question was brought up, Phil said he specified and said Supercross. And my my opinion on it would differ depending on whether it was indoor or outdoor. That's actually a good point. You know, indoor, I think that Coop's got him. I really do. I mean, I, I would not pick anybody over a, a really good determined Cooper Webb that believes he can win in Supercross, I don't think anybody can can go after him. I don't think Jeremy McGrath could get a, a prime Cooper Webb that knows he can win a, a race. But then on the flip side, in the outdoors, Dungy's a freak. Yeah, I mean, yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, Webb hasn't proven much outdoors on a 450 yet. So, yeah. Good. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I go with Cooper also because of that race craft and when he gets angry, when he tells himself he's mad, man, you just he's almost impossible to beat. So in his at his best, Cooper Webb, I think, beats Ryan at his best. I, I agree with that. Um so I think we're outnumbered though. I think the poll went the other way. Um but anyway, uh all right, one last start, thing. Start, start. Let yep. me ask you something yep. real quick. Do you think that the success of Eli and Jason, um, and even Malcolm Brayton, like all these older guys, kind of the now the older dudes are kind of running the sport. Do you think that that helped him sway his decision to come back? 
I would think it has something to do with it. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, let's say that all those guys you just mentioned had already retired. Yeah, maybe he does it, but he sees that these guys are still being successful. They're being fairly safe. Uh, you know, they're smart. They're, you know, they're a little older. So, yeah, I think it probably did have some play into it, the, the thought process a little bit. Sure. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, all right. They brought up Paula predictions for Ryan Dungey. Mathis said 7-7. Seven, seven. Cooper, Wed, five, Cooper Webb said 5-8. Seth Rarick 7-8. JT said 6-4. For some reason, I didn't write down Phil's. Maybe Phil didn't give it. Um, Cotton, just Paula Moto predictions for Dungey. Uh, six and nine. Six. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. I see what you did there. Uh, Mason, you? I think he's going to go five, five. Five, five. Okay. So it, it varies for me whether Eli sh- shows up or not. If, you know, if Eli does not pull the pin beforehand, I kind of think he will. I'm going to go, I'm going to go seven, six, seven, six. So. We'll, we'll see what happens. That's not that far away. Um, yeah, pretty much everybody's kind of predicting in the same ballpark. Yeah. Five to ten somewhere. I, I really hope he comes out and basically gives us all a middle finger and goes like 2-1 because it, it would add to the excitement of the series. So, But I think Hyroli beats him. But um, All right. Next topic. J-Mart. Jeremy Martin to Club MX with a one-year deal. Uh, before we listen to the audio, Mason, the, the friendship that's back – with Jmart and Phil makes me happy. There's 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 still a little tension there because you know he says Phil still owes him some rent money, but the ebbs and flows of the Phil Jmart should anything with Phil makes me happy. But I, I really enjoy them the banter between those two. It's it's I think if Phil's on, Jmart and Amart should come on also at some point during the show. Yeah, I think they should only come on when Phil's on. <laughs> only for some reason, only? way more. I find them way more entertaining and easy to listen to when Phil's on there giving them so much shit. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say because Steve loves it when I do this. I had Jeremy on last week on my show. We talked a little bit about what was coming up, him wanting to go four fifties, and him needing to change. I didn't get the breaking news, so I'm a little bit mad at Jeremy for that. Not really. I, I understand, but uh, let, let's listen to what he had to say. I figured out uh, no better place to, to break the news than on Papa Max and yeah. uh, come out come out and say I signed uh, with Club Max Yamaha. I'll be Sorry, teammates t- teammates with Phil Filthy, so that'll be fun. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to him kind of bashing me during the week there on the Supercross track. Brandon reached out to me, and he was pretty aggressive right away. And I think one of the things that I really liked about it was uh, the facility. For one, is it's really good. They have a ton of Supercross tracks. Um, you know, and I think at my career and how things have been the last two or three years with, with the injuries and stuff like that, I just need, I need a change. I have a little bit more say in kind of what goes into, uh, the motorcycle. So mm-hmm. I was pretty excited about that. I come back, I get up to speed. I, you know, hit the deck and run out of talent. And then, you know, <laughs> I, I get healthy and then I come back and then it's, I'm kind of in this cycle, so I just need to kind of do something different. That was the whole thing of this. Cotton, uh, this is something, again, Jeremy being honest, right, saying, hey, this is what he said on my show. He, I think he went a little more in-depth with our show, but saying, hey, man, I, I've had a lot of these injuries, right? I've crashed. Uh, um, I keep getting keep hitting the deck, and luckily I'm getting up sometimes. Sometimes I'm not. I'm just in this vicious circle, and it's time for a change. 
We've seen this with Jason. We've seen this with Eli. This is becoming something that might we might start seeing more often. Like, all right, let's do two years with the team, and let's try something different. Let's get refreshed. Uh, it, and I think we're going to see good things out of Jeremy, but uh, him opening up, talking about this, it, it, I think it's going to be good for him. Like, you know, it's kind of crazy, right? Leaving Star Yamaha. Star's like the most successful team in the industry right now, but he still feels like I got to make a change. Uh, you know, he's going to have some factory parts, so he's still going to be comfortable. But it's it's pretty interesting that for his mental side, because of how mental this sport is, that he's like, I, I got to do something different. That I thought that was real telling. Yeah, I mean, I really honestly feel like it's very easy to get burnout in this sport, just like with anything else. If you really put your nose to the grindstone and are just out there working every single day, whether it be at the same place, doing the same routine, it can get old very quickly. And, you know, I know the old saying goes that the grass isn't always greener on the other side, but it seems like it has changed a little bit in our sport. And it's not a bad thing to go somewhere else and try something different, you know. And, and I do feel like had other guys in the past, maybe Villapoto, I know Dungey said that it wouldn't have made a difference to him because they did ask him that question on the show. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like different guys, if they would get out of that same loop, like you saw Anderson leave Alden's and he's doing amazing right now. And there's a lot of guys that if they swap it up, I think it'll help. And I don't feel like that's a, a bad move to go over to club because those guys are, are building a powerhouse. They're a sleeper team over there. A lot of people see it, but some people don't. I mean, I, you get it five more years and I think those club guys are going to be a premier team, honestly. Yeah, they've come a long way. I mean, and think about what Phil said about Enzo's talent. You know, there towards the end of the show, he's talking about, hey, if I had Phil, if I had Enzo's talent, I'd be a champion. And Enzo, yeah, and they, of course, they got into this generation, and <laughs> I think Seth said they're all pussies, and et cetera, et cetera. They don't know how to work hard for stuff yet. But yeah, there's a lot of talent there. I think you're right about that. Um, yeah, how about the training stories, Cotton? That was like Jmart and uh, Phil talking about training with Osha, and Weston. Like that was my favorite part of the Jeremy Martin interview. I, I listened back to that again this morning. And it was just cracking up at what Phil talking about. You know, riding mountain bikes and <laughs> leaving stick arrows for Weston, who was back there just cussing, carrying his bike. That was great. Oh yeah, Pike was not having any part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, like. Something right. If we don't listen to Pulp X, we probably don't get those stories, Mason. Like that's that's the behind the scenes stuff. Like the interviews are great, right? Steve does a great job. He gets great stuff out of, you know, how was your race? What'd you change with your bike, etc. But these stories, the Osho stories, the 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 behind the scenes shit during the week that comes out during these discussions makes me so happy to find the stuff out that we'd never hear. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we listen. And I think that a lot of those little details come out the more you listen to the show, because you start to kind of pick up on storylines within Pulp MX. Um, and so just listening to all kinds of different things behind the scenes is always really fun. And the one about Pike was hilarious. Yeah. Were you surprised, Mason, that Cooper said that like him and J-Mart had no offers coming out of amateurs? Again, something I wouldn't have thought of. I didn't know that. I mean, Pulp MX. Yeah, I was surprised, but then also when they started listing the guys that they, they I guess, graduated with. Yeah, yeah. Um, where were they going to go? Well, I think that you're right. I think that's what happened. But, uh, Mason, this kind of that, – that statement or that, that uh, information that we got 
sort of solidifies a little bit Steve's rant about paying these amateurs so much money, you know, and just because they're doing good amateurs doesn't mean shit. I mean, you're dealing with uh, a two-time Cooper Webb had no offers and he's a two-time 450 Supercross champion. J-Mart's a, you know, 250 champion multiple times. Like, that, yeah, this, I think it sort of solidifies. Let's like, let them get to the pros and see what the hell happens before you start giving them millions of dollars. Yeah, definitely. I think that's definitely one of um, Steve's better, I guess, more logical rants. Rants, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think that he does have a very good point there. I think that there is obviously a draw to having somebody like Ryder D who's on your program and a part of your team because he draws such a young audience into the sport as well. So there is some, like, I do think that the amateurs do need to have some support, but not as much as they have now. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Uh, Mason. Yeah, I agree oh. with Steve on that, actually, because, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, you know, as you know, I'm a big football guy, and I think that it should be a lot more like how the Los Angeles Rams go about their, you know, their program. They like to, you know, trade their draft picks, not have anybody come in that are young rookie guys. They want to find these experienced guys that have already been there, done that, and proved that they're going to be successful. And I feel like that should be a little bit more how the motocross supercross world should be modeled, you know? Yeah, I think I think that I, I like that. I, I don't think it's going to change. I don't see it changing, but uh, yeah, definitely different ways of looking at it. But uh, I, I do think it kind of solidifies Steve's rant. Mason, hey man, I'm a I'm flying to SoCal in the morning, going to the high des, going to ride my YZ250. Finally, what do you feel Lucky. like? What do you feel like is the first? aftermarket product i need to put on that thing i think as soon as you get your hands on it you should probably put a fresh set of zip on seal savers on it for sure why um you don't want leaking fork seals right uh, right when you get a new bike so i'd for sure protect those first well tell me a little bit more about seal savers to make me uh to 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 sell me on them okay well for 22 years we've been offering the ultimate protection to the off-road industry uh we started with our original seal savers and then transitioned over to or I guess included the zip-on style now to make them a lot easier to install. Um, we've also got a full line of products for uh, side-by-sides, ATVs, UTVs, trucks, Jeeps, buggies, all kinds of stuff. Um, but for the dirt bikes, definitely want to protect your fork seals, keep the dirt, dust, and mud from getting up in there, and uh, do it with Seal Savers. Use the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Yeah, I think a big part of what's cool, well, I mean, obviously it's a cool product, but the fact that you guys are so heavily involved with UTVs, that's a big scene right now. I mean, people have those things where I hear where I live and they love to go mudding, quote unquote. Uh, you know, out in the high des, man, they're, they're like hot out, right? I mean, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars put into these things. And your seal savers, you know, protects those seals, right? I mean, when you're out in the dust, especially here in this area where people, again, like to go mudding, uh, mud just destroys seals and bearings and et cetera. And seal savers is a very inexpensive way to say what can be a very expensive problem. Exactly. You got to tell your, your buddies that do all the mudding to get some coil savers on their shocks to protect them. Um, out here in the desert, we have a ton of guys that run them out in the best in the desert series, which is one of the big series out mm-hmm. here. Um, and yeah, they do a great job protecting shocks, CD boots, and they, they're doing very well. We actually have some cool, um, a really big partnership, um, collaboration type thing coming up here in the next couple of weeks that we're super, super excited about. Um, so I'll have to come back on and tell you about that when that happens. Yeah, let's do that. I appreciate you being a part of this, man. It really, it means a lot that you still believe in the, this janky show about a janky or show. 
No, it's great. <laughs> and I'm wondering when um, there's going to be a pulp uh, wrap-up on MAV-TV that's a half-hour long recapping the hour-long episode. Man, I thought about just recording the audio for the MAV-TV thing and using that, and then I'm done. Like, I'll just record it and play the audio, and that's it. Like, that that feels like that's that's a wrap-up of its own. They're trying to steal my gig over there at MAV-TV. You're, you're going to talk yourself out of a job here, Darkside. It's probably not that hard. Steve was trying <laughs> Steve was trying to give it to Nick from Moto Limited Saturday at the race. So, yeah, Steve just loves loves fucking with me and he does he, he gets under my skin sometimes with it he actually is successful asshole i'm here for it I, it keeps me entertained i'm sorry yeah, i mean that's really what it's all about right like when phil asked me monday night like why do you let them do this i'm like i mean what are we gonna do right it's it's entertaining it's it's just how steve is and i don't feel like Steve completely means it, you know, because I mean, it's not like that off there. He just fucks with me. That's what he does. And I'm like, whatever. I've just learned to accept it. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's all entertainment. I mean, why else would I send them the audio that they use for my intro now? Because I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to tell them that existed. I knew it was going to be entertaining. And I was willing to sacrifice uh, myself for that a little bit for the for the for the listeners the the massive listeners that we have tens of thousands of listeners just like the tens of thousands of dollars it takes to race a UTV. Anyway, moving on, Yamaha LCQ Challenge Race. Steve race raised one hundred and thirty five thousand four hundred sixty one dollars. Uh, about one hundred twenty six thousand of that coming from the Yamaha raffle. Congratulations to the winner, John McCullum. He actually reached out today. He wants to come on the wrap-up show, so John, we'll make that happen. But Cotton, man, again, say whatever you want about Steve. They're, the people that don't like Steve can say whatever the hell they want. This show has come a long way. He does a lot for the industry. He does so much for the the privateers. The fact that that purse for that race was more than the purse you know, for more than the guys were going to make making the main event, a lot of those guys, you know, if, you, if you're not, unless you're a factory guy, like that was massive, dude. It's so impressive what his reach in the industry and what these listeners will do. Yeah, I mean, anybody that wants to talk crap about Steve and, and, and you know, what he does for our sport, it's like, well, then you go get your own race and raise over $100,000 and you put it on. You know, I mean, uh, Steve, uh, he's he's busted his ass in this sport, and you can clearly tell it's not just for his own personal gain. He's doing it to give back. He's doing it because he loves this sport, just like every one of us do. Yeah, 100%. I mean, he definitely likes – he likes getting a little bit of the credit, but as far as like – Well, of course. As far as like – well, I'm taking 10% or whatever. Like, yeah, none of that's done. He's putting a ton of his own money into doing this stuff. So, absolutely. it's He he really is very, very good for the sport. It's tough for me to say sometimes and give him praise. And, he, you know, like Pookie was texting me Friday, and she's like, how's Steve? You know, is he okay? Uh, he's not answering me. Uh, and I think she was also texting Kay, somebody else. I can't remember who it was because they, they said the same thing. She she was She knew he was like he wanted this thing to go well. He'll say he was fine. He actually actually told me that day, like, no, I'm fine. But, man, there was a lot, a lot of moving parts. It got held back like an hour because of the injury and futures. And, you know, like he, he kind of said during his rant, which we'll hear in a minute, like people were texting me what time it is, and then it was put back an hour, and everybody's just sitting around. A lot of stress probably going on, but it pull, he pulled it off. Maybe there'll be some revisions next year. But, um, yeah, good job, Steve. You, you, 
props to you, man. Props to you. Let's yeah, move. and don't get me wrong. I, I'm extremely happy that my boy Chiz went out there and won the whole thing. Oh, we'll talk about but, that. We'll get to that. <laughs> I'm just I, I am excited that he is gonna you know, he did say that he was gonna think about doing some changes there towards you know, going towards in the next year with yeah. it as far as the wild cards and stuff like that. I think it's gonna help. I really do. He did put a tweet up a little bit ago, I'm looking for it right now, that like may it may be he may be done as a promoter. Now that you never know with that guy, right? It could just be a joke, just be talking. But he he said something like I might my career as a promoter may be done or something along those lines. Don't do that, Steve. Bring it back. Everybody loved it. Yeah, it was just, you know, gro- it was some growth spurts. We gotta figure out you figured out the problems, you can fix them next year. It's going to be better next year. Maybe next year we'll break two hundred thousand. Let's let's make that the goal. Um, let's talk about Chris Blows, guys. Uh, Mason, Chris Blows, not a guy that necessarily every fan of the sport, the casual fan knows. But well, let's listen to this. He he is, as they said, a journeyman racer. He's really like one of the backbones of the sport. Had a really cool career. This was his final Supercross, Salt Lake City. Let's listen to his thoughts. I've had to learn like the business side of things, which has been pretty fun but yeah no i started at the first of the year and kind of slowly just been doing stuff obviously my main focus was racing and training and all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. um but now the season's over ramp that up i didn't know this is that your post-race plan you do you own you open a suspension shop suspension company yeah yeah it was a post-race plan um you know because obviously i knew racing was coming to an end and kind of had to figure something out because obviously I wasn't making millions of dollars racing dirt bike. What's your biggest regret? What what could you have done different? Like with 2009, like I would have loved to stay in the lights class because I feel like I I could have been good and been a podium guy and mm-hmm. um, especially with a good team under my belt for a good year. Kind of shaped my career to what it is now and I went and did arena cross for a while and that was fun. And You, you had a career that like 95% of pro motocrossers would love to have. Like if you... Seth Rowe, if you told you like, hey man, 100%. you're gonna you're not gonna win a race, but you're gonna get shit tons of top tens and top fives, like hundred percent. Yeah, you Dude, know, I, I don't think the average fan that's listening to the show understands like how great of a they're obviously looking at you know like the Roxons and the right or Webb or, or the Coops and the Marvs yeah. and blah blah blah. But right. yeah, I have the utmost respect for you. You've had a journeyman career, and it's you could easily you know. Just hung the boots up at any time and went and got a normal job, but you had to scratch and claw and fight your way for everything. Yep. And taught me to fight and to dig deep and to never give up on yourself, especially if you have something you really want to do and, and love to do. So, no, there's been lots of times, like you said, I could have hung up the boots and went and got a normal job and and had no ride, but you know what? I made it work. I mean, pitting out of rental cars and getting top tens in the 450 class and oh. – um, you know, there's been a lot of people that have helped along the way that I'm super grateful for, but um, it definitely teaches you a lot about yourself and can teach you a lot about life. And yeah, Because yeah. no matter what, you know, life's going to be hard. It's just what you make out of it. Cotton, great attitude from him. Uh, you know, I like the, the statement that one, most almost any rider would love to have that career. And then, or 95%, you know, 95% of the racers would love to have that career. And then the other statement of, you know, the average fan doesn't realize how hard it is, what it takes to do what he did. Like, just, man, just to be a grinder and be there, earn a career, not necessarily always have the shots he wish he had had. had. You know, he talked about being at TLD in 09. Uh, but, yeah, maybe he didn't get the opportunity he would have liked or didn't take the chance. But just, yeah, the, the, the work he did 
you know, I, I really wish I'd gotten a chance to know him a little better. I've interviewed him a couple times, but that's it. Just so much respect for Chris Blows. Yeah, man, I, I've got a lot of respect for, for Zombie and for his brother, Michael. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that they actually asked about him on the show, too. Um, you know, I grew up in that era, kind of in the in the early, mid-2000s, watching those guys start their careers and have the TLD ride and all this other stuff. And, man, they, they killed it. Like, what more could you ask for? And it's exactly like you said. There's a lot of just regular fans that don't understand that is a huge success mm-hmm. in, in this career for him. You know, I mean, he, he's kind of like a chiz. Like, he's he's always there. He's always going to put in decent results. He's, you know, the guy rips on a motorcycle just because he's not Eli Tomac or Ryan Villapoto or somebody like that. It, it doesn't mean that he's had an unsuccessful career. I think that he's done a wonderful job. Absolutely. Mason, he made it, Cotton made kind of a good point, right? There's guys that there's some guys that say don't make the main event. They make the night show every week, uh, you know, and then there's guys that are at the back of the main event, and the average fan's like, well, that guy sucks, man. He got lapped twice. But those guys are bad ass. Like, they will work. That's it, man. What's that? I said, that's it. They're the top 40 in the world that yeah. night. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mason, like, to have a guy like Chris Blows, who's very consistent, you know, and – Still, in my opinion, extremely successful. Yeah, I didn't make the millions of dollars, but still at the top of the professional level, just so impressive. Like more talent than I will w- could ever dream to have, you know. And unfortunately, doesn't get the attention and respect that maybe he deserved. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, he's been around for a very long time, as they talked about on the show and we talked about here. Um, I think it's really cool seeing guys like Chris make a really long career out of it as opposed to someone that's in and out real quick, real flashy, and then they're done. I think there's a lot of money to be made if you can stick around and and be consistent and uh, reliable and get into the mains, get top tens, and just be a contender, not necessarily a race winner, but it's been, uh, been cool to see him do it. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, much respect to Chris. I hope uh, as he starts getting more into the, the race tech shop that he's going to be owning, that that's successful and, you know, kind of sticks around the industry. And maybe, you know, he said, hey, maybe we'll see him in World Supercross. 22 isn't over yet. So that'd be pretty sick to see. Um, let's go back to Cooper Webb. We talked about Alden's earlier and him leaving. There's a little bit more I want to hear. Um, let's listen to it, and we'll get into this within the team because they told me that I'm making a, a ma- massive mistake you right. know which right. um they're they're probably right in a way but like I said at, at that point I'm my mind's made up because I'm I'm gonna yeah. retire yeah I, you're, you're burnt I was all in with Jet and Hunter and mm-hmm. doing their program and riding and I get back to Florida I'm away from the team the noise and at that time it was the best thing for me because I told the Lawrence's like hey I'm all in on y'all's program I want to be treated like a son like yell at me, cuss yeah. at me, yeah. tell me where I'm slow. That was really good for me, just to clear my head, kind of get back to the knowing, hey, when I show up at the track, this is what we're doing. Uh, we had a meeting, and KTM, once you know my contract was up, and, yeah. and we talked about extending it, and they said that basically they, I would need to go back to Alden's, which I was fine with. Like We, we squashed our you know issues we yeah. had and yeah. sat down at dinner. We right. went through what, what I would like to see, what he would like to see, and that's when I went back and was like, hey, let's put everything in the past mm-hmm. and let's, like we just met, yeah. let's let's start from scratch, get back on the program and get everything back. And unfortunately, that was Detroit when I had, you know, I brain farted and yep. Chase landed and we 
I ended up breaking uh, my second metatarsal. I would have pointed to the motorcycle and be like, that's the biggest thing that's changed, guys. For sure. That would be yeah. me. But, hey, I, yeah, it's political. There's lots of things involved sure. in that. I mean, no matter which way you slice, there's variables all around. The same bike? Right. Different trainer? Who knows? Yeah. It could right. maybe still. Well, yeah, like I, I said, the, the person I talked to said it was 50-50. I learned some stuff being away. Yep. And I learned what kind of works for me, what doesn't, and what I need to do. And right. I think it's going to make me appreciate being back next year when i'm on top for sure i think phil it takes and seth you know coop way better than i do but way better most people takes a lot of balls to go back to alden baker and be like let's 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 start fresh man like i know you're not a fan of me right now and i'm not a fan of you like we had our issues let's let's get together here like i think that's pretty ballsy to do like i don't (laughs) know that'd be a hard conversation to have i'll do whatever it takes to win mason i'm gonna go to you first so there's a lot to unpack in that audio uh, the last thing, do whatever it takes to win. Like he's proven that he, he's, he's going to do whatever it takes. You know, if it, he, it changed programs, figure some things out, realize you need to go back. But just, I love though, what I like to begin with is him saying when he went with the Lawrence brothers, he wasn't like, Hey, I'm a two-time champion. I know what I'm doing. He's like, Nope. Treat me like the boys yell at me. If I need to, I I'm here to learn. I am just another guy. And I, again, I already had respect for Cooper, but he really is a workhorse. He, he's not a prima donna. Uh, and, and, again, being very honest, right, telling us this inside information on Pulp Mix that we're not probably going to hear otherwise. And, and I, I think it's – if you didn't like Cooper Webb, like I used to get all the time people going, oh, Cooper Webb's too cocky. He's this. And, I, and he really, in real life, I don't think is that cocky. I think he comes across that way race time, put a race face on. But when he goes over there to Lawrence Brothers, he's like, nope, treat me like everybody else. I'm here to learn. I'm here to get better. And just more and more respect. I think I, I think it's wrong. If you don't respect the guy, there's something wrong with you. Absolutely. And I think that's uh, another benefit of Pulp is you get to hear more of the person side of these riders. Mm-hmm. Where if you just see him on a Saturday night, yeah, he might look a little arrogant and cocky. But then you get to listen to him talk. And tons of respect to Coop. Um, kind of going back to Alden, though, I, I think that there's been a number of people that have left Alden on pretty bad terms and ended up getting back on good terms with them as they've left the program and started to, I guess, appreciate what they had. And like Coop said, you know, he wants to get back to winning, and that's what he was doing when he was winning. Absolutely. Cotton, that's a good point, right? That It takes a lot for a man, you know, we're going to say because men are, we have big egos, to go say, hey, let's figure this out. Let's go to dinner. Let's squash it instead of holding a grudge because I want to win. I want to be better. And Alden, you know, it's like, okay, let's do that. Let's figure it out. Let's put it behind us. Let's start over. Like that, that's pretty impressive. That is not easy to do, Cotton. No, and that's the big thing about all of this. I mean, I would have been a lot like Steve. The first thing I would have said is, hey, man, I'm the same Cooper Webb that I've always been, but that bike over there is way different. Yeah. But – that's, that's the difference between somebody like me and somebody like Cooper Webb. And it doesn't matter whether it's Alden or whether it's Roger or whether it's Coop. They all want to win. They've been at the highest level before, and that's all they want to do. So uh, there's got to be at some point in time somebody's got to swallow their pride and make it happen if that's really what you want the outcome to be. Yep. And, um, you, you know, if it's not working, it's not working. It is what it is. You just got to – adapt and overcome when adversity strikes a hundred percent and that's what they're doing that's what champions do uh and also champions use guts racing guts racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company offering high performance seat covers and foam for motocross supercross and off-road competition 
Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's not performance you want, you come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Uh, I have a blue and black Guts Racing seat cover sitting right in front of me that's going on that Yamaha when it gets home to Texas after the Seal Savers goes on, of course. Uh, so thank you to Andy Gregg for that. Um, let's get into this race tech rant. But before I play the audio, uh, you're Cotton, you're a Chiz guy. Chiz came from the back. I'm a Chiz guy. I've been a Chiz guy since 2011. Um, Heck yeah. I've been chasing that guy down when I was before I was media and a fan. He remembers me. He told me that he remembers me yelling at him at Freestone every lap he went by. Uh, in the left-hand corner that I was standing at, I just yelled, cheers. He's like, yeah, I remember that. I was like, look, he looked over at me one laugh, like, who the hell is this dude? Um, so I'm a big-time Chiz guy. Uh, at the press conference the, on Friday, before they went and rode, they did a big press conference. And I was standing there with Steve Mathis and Kristen B, and they were talking about it. Kristen's like, well, who do you think's going to win? And I looked at Steve, and I said, okay, he's starting back row, right? Steve said, yeah. I said, is he still starting backwards? He said, no, the AMA wouldn't let me do that. And I said, then Chiz wins. And Kristen's That's like, exactly what I said. Yeah. And then Kristen said, I've, I put money on, on Chiz. So who didn't know Chiz was going to win? Come on. Other than Steve Cotton, everybody knew that Steve was going to win. He was, or Chiz was going to win. He was getting yelled at by the privateers. Um, yeah, I love Chiz, but I don't think he should have been in the race, man. But what a badass. Now, legitimately, though, and this is why I, I do say I think it's a good thing that Steve is going to change the rules up a little bit for next year. But, you know, people that want to complain about Steve, it was his race. He was the guy that raised $100,000, so he can run it however he wants to run it. So stop complaining. Yep. That's the first thing. Don't disagree. Um, I don't disagree with that. So, yep. You know, and I mean, second off, Chiz is truly a privateer. Yeah, he had a fill-in spot on a 250 regional, you know, with Star, and, and he's had – um, Rock River carry his bikes around and stuff, but he's paying for his own mechanic. He's paying his own way to get there. It's all coming out of pocket. And I mean, he can't help that he's one of the fastest privateers and he's a wild card in that race because Steve had wild cards. But I do truly believe that next year Steve should probably make it where there's no wild cards. Like you said, just yeah. the 22 guys and put them in there because then you won't have any of this happen. You know, like I'm, I'm as happy as anybody that, that Chiz got in there and won it. But at the same time, I, I do think it would go a lot further uh, being the privateer challenge if he did it without the wild cards or without Vince Freese going around in the mid, in the infield trying to take somebody <laughs> out or Targeting, you yeah. know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, Mason, yeah, Chiz is a privateer. But he's making mains and making a lot more money. This is supposed to be an LCQ privateer thing. So a guy like him, Starling, Cade, probably even A-Ray to some degree, shouldn't have been in there. Again, I mean, I, yeah, I love that Chiz won it. But I don't know that it really met the requirements of what it should have been. But it's Steve's race. Um, just real quick, your thoughts before we get to this rant. Uh, I watched it actually from Kellen Brower's um, Instagram post, and it was like right after it. It might have even been live. And as soon as Chiz crossed the finish line, I literally laughed like out loud <laughs> to myself. I'm like, this is so freaking funny. Mm -hmm. But I, I do agree that he was kind of maybe shouldn't have been there. However, if he didn't get that star ride, maybe the conversation looks a little bit different. 
Um, but I mean, just typical chiz fashion, just gonna chiz all over everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Pulp 22 to say, or Pulp MX, I think it's Pulp MX 22 to save at Race Tech. Uh, Steve's Race Tech rant was about uh, pre race issues with some of these riders. I got the 17 guys. I got I, I, I kicked Stank out of it, right, because I, he was blew me out for no reason earlier in the year. So I kicked Stank out of it, but I got all him and his cronies yelling at me on social media and calling me fat and tubby, and I'm block, 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 and I'm doing that. And then I got the guys upset about Chiz and Brees. It's just, it's my race, so just, you know what I mean? Like just Yeah, no, yeah, at the end of the day, that, yeah, that's you can it. do whatever so you want. Just fuck off, everybody. It's my race. So I email these animals, 22 of them. I get emails from the AMA for everybody on the list, right? I email them all two times in the week of Salt Lake with the, with the time of the race, the length of the race. We're pulling, we're pulling close pins for gate pick. Yep. And I get like two replies back. During the day, I am getting blown up on what time the race is, what are we doing, when are we doing it? It's all in the emails, people. And I say, did you get my email? I didn't get anything. Day of the race, they don't know anything despite, like, what time? I heard 3 o'clock. Teddy Parks calls me. Your race at 3 o'clock? <laughs> no, Ted. 2 o'clock. Welton and another guy show up with no transponders. Now, I didn't put in an email, put your fucking transponder on, but it's a race. <laughs> I assumed you knew you were going to get scored because I just assume we're all being fucking cool. Mm -hmm. No, we're not. No, we're not. <laughs> Greco sells his number one clothespin to Moran's for $100. Yeah. So then in the race, Moran's jumps the triple. Wageman yeah. dies. Oh, that can't be if he jumped that, dude. Moran's jumps. Like, I'm like, what are you fucking Moran's doing? jumps the triple. I'm like, and oh, how, my God. How did you not dock him? Okay, so I didn't see if the lights were on. I was pretty sure. But I didn't see for sure as I was standing on the podium. But I'm like, okay. I go, what do I do? He's like, it's your race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, hey, man, got to like, <laughs> we're out of this. Yeah, this is on you. So I, I counted the the advantage was four seconds from jumping to not jumping, and the only guy it would have affected was Brees. Mm -hmm. And Brees, I'm like, Brees, Moran's jumped on the triple. I, I don't know what to do. Like, uh, you know, he's like, you know what, Brees goes, oh, it's cool, man. Like, I'm just happy to be here. Come to find out today, Brees Dude. wants money. Yeah. I think next year. Screw everything. If I do it, I just take the top 22 yes. in the points. Yeah, and that, no, and that's there is, it. Except for Stank. <laughs> all right, Cotton. First of all, the fact that these writers are not mess emailing him back doesn't surprise me in the least. These are younger guys. Most of them probably never check their emails. Like, I, I don't know that well, I'm going to call them kids. I don't know how old, you're pretty young too, Cotton, I believe, but like nobody checks your emails. Like I'm not surprised at all. You need to text them probably. And maybe Steve did. He said emails, but like the fact that they're not being responsible and responding doesn't surprise me in the least. Like I wouldn't have expected anything less. No, I mean, everything that Steve said is just par for the course. I would have expected every bit. Of, I mean, honestly, I was surprised that nobody got caught going out there carrying a shank in their boot, you know, like it's prison or something. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I thought it could have been a lot worse than what it was. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody was surprised there weren't more, uh, like, uh, demolition derby type stuff. But I'm just talking about the responses, the the being a uh, responsible adult and saying, okay, ch check with, you know, checking the rules and all that with Steve and replying and knowing what time things were. Like, that doesn't surprise me in the least. Uh, but that's funny, yeah. It, it, it was a little bit surprising that there wasn't more mayhem cotton for sure. Exactly. Yeah. 
Mason, uh, here's the other thing. This is great. So Friday, you know, all this is going down. The Moran things happens, happens, and and I'm hearing everybody, all of us are media, like me and Alex Gobert, Kellen Brown, we're all there. Nick from Moto Limited, and we're like, oh, what's going to happen? The riders are like, well, Moran's jumped. Everybody knew it happened. What's going to happen? Is he going to dock? You know, and then you hear Steve. He said, Brees looked pissed when he came off the track. Uh, so I know he, kind of, Brees is a super, super nice guy, almost always smiling. So I think he probably chilled down a little bit. But I think everybody kind of felt like maybe Moran should have been docked. So, Mason, when Steve says, like, I don't know what to do, we were all laughing in the press box about later. It's like, yeah, never change, AMA. We don't know what to do, Steve. Like, Steve, there's Steve right in the same boat. I don't know what to do. It was so great. It was like, now you know how it is with the AMA. Exactly. All that, all that shitty talks. He's uh, got served some humble pie there on that one. Um, but he was in a tough position because I don't think there was obviously clearly defined do's and don'ts. Um, but that one, uh, that's a tough call. It was definitely a tough position for Steve to be in. But I think that ultimately it kind of worked out in the end with uh, Moran's holding the position and um, kicking some money down over to Brees. Yeah, I guess as long as like Brees was happy with it, I like I don't. Carnell looked like he was pretty mad, but he, when I talk, I like walked up to right when he came pulled his helmet off, and he, he had arm pump really bad, is what he said. So maybe he was just exhausted. But he also he knew that Moran's jumped, and somebody I don't remember if it was Brees or Carnell was like, yeah, but the light was on on the other side too, and you could see it. Uh, Monday night they talked about I think it was Monday night, maybe it was the review show that. Um, Moran's was actually looking at one of the flaggers that was, you know, kind of waving him over. I think it was Phil maybe said that that's the only thing he was focused on. And which whoever said that, I'm pretty sure it was Phil. Like that was new insight. Like I wasn't, I've never ride, rode Supercross, right? None of us have. So I'm not thinking that, oh yeah, he's not maybe focused on both sides of the track. He's focused on this worker. Like there's probably little things that we don't know that Kevin's doing for safety reasons. And so maybe he didn't see the light. I don't think yeah. that's. I don't think that works though in pro supercross. If you know uh, Cooper Webb says, "Well, I didn't see the light." Well, it doesn't matter. It was going off. You jumped. You're docked. Doesn't matter that you didn't see it. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, well, and also, Mason, oh, Mason, go first. Go ahead, Mason, go first. Sorry, yeah, go ahead, Mason. Um, I was going to say. Um, I was going to, I guess, cut Kevin a little bit of slack by saying it was a day race. Maybe there was a glare on the lighting or something, but they've had plenty of supercross races during the day yeah. and plenty of people had rolled and enough people saw, I don't think it was a malicious move. No, 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 not at all. Yeah. It just, unfortunately that's just the way it went down. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I think that, you know, he did the right thing by throwing some money down over to Breeze. Yeah. Kevin's one of my buddies, but I still feel like, like my point is it doesn't, it, this did somewhat have AMA rules a little bit, like not, you know, was it, they were trying to play by the rules because the AMA was out there officiating or whatever. So, in that, if you if you're going with those rules, like just can't start backwards because they said so because that's not allowed. Then, if somebody jumps on a red flag or a red cross flag, it doesn't matter what the reasoning is. You jumped on it. So, if if you're going to go by that, then he should have been docked. But go ahead, Cotton. No, I was just going to say. Um, it's really funny too if you if you listen to the show, um, Cooper and Phil both said, "Well, all the other twenty one guys rolled the jump, and second place was only a couple seconds behind yep. Moran." Yep, they saw it, and, and I thought that was pretty cool too. Whenever I heard them say that, because that I mean, 
that's another way to look at it too. I've never raced a supercross race in my life, but those dudes actually know what's going on. Yes. And and they called him out on that. They were like, Hey, every single other rider that was on the track rolled that thing. Yeah, it was it was just a it was a bad uh no call by Steve AMA Mathis. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> never changed. Steve. Never changed, Steve. Never changed. Uh all right, let's jump into my call. First things first, guys. Steve goes on to his no nicknames things again. It's not professional. Um, but we have Weege, we have Swap, we have Anton, which, yes, some of that's just shortening or nicknames of the names, but their names, LeBig, is a nickname. Um, dude, I don't know. We don't even have to get into this. We've talked about it a million times. I'll, I'm fine with using Jamie in the press conference to Steve, but still, in general, when it comes to this stuff, man, I'm dark side. That's, that's like, I liked what I think it was. It was hard to tell at times because I wasn't watching the whole time, but I think it was uh, Seth that's like, man, I know him as Darkseid. Like, that's his branding, and that I kind of agree with that. So we're going to stick with Darkseid for as long as I can run it. A um, couple of things I want to touch on with my call. Oh, good, Jamie. Okay, Dick. <laughs> Mason. Sorry. It's all right. You're cool. All good. It's fine. That's my name. It's fine. I just don't like Steve, like, telling me. Steve's making too many decisions for my life. Damn it. Uh him giving me shit about no, the- I'm with you on that, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's your your name's Dark Side to me. I mean, it's just like with me. I have no problem with being called Blake Cotton, but I'm CMXR. It's <laughs> just it is what it is. Sorry. Right. Yeah, uh, he gave me shit about the plastic, you know, the Eli side panel, and like I said, that was something that I had set up <clears throat> like a month or two ago. I'd reached out to Jelly for a contest thing I'm doing, or you know, a trivia thing I'm doing, and he's like, "Yeah, I got you." So when I saw him, he's like, "Man, I got your plastic." And he handed it to me, and as I said, I had one for the studio, and I had one for this contest, and I, I decided to give one away because I am so nice. And even when I, I was talking to Steve about some things, I think it was Saturday in the press box. Maybe it was Friday. It had to be Saturday. Anyway, he's like, I was like, yeah, man, I'm just a nice guy. You know, I went down to help a listener. Actually, I'll tell the story real quick. Steve won't like it, but um, Carnow's OF sponsor, she – kind of has befriended me a little bit on social and car now was down for qualifying. And when she got there, she's like, I don't really know where to go. I don't really understand the map. So I went down and kind of got her to will call so she can get her credentials. And she's like, I can't believe you did that. Like, well, I just can't believe you're, you know, whatever. I'm like, dude, I'm a nice guy. Like you go meet people. None of these people, nobody that's a friend of mine, everybody that's a friend of mine was a stranger at some point. And he's just like, I, I, that's ridiculous. God damn, Steve. He's so strange with that shit, but he couldn't believe that I'm just a nice guy, man. You know, and I got plastic for a show thing. He just loves to give me shit. So I'm trying to explain it. Not that anybody really gives a shit, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, my, my collection in this studio, it's pretty badass. So yeah, I'm collecting shit, Steve. That's what I, if I can get stuff to put in the studio, I'm going to do it. Um, Anybody got a problem with that? (laughs) Not me. I think it's cool. I I think, the memorabilia stuff is super cool. And Coop yeah. even said he had a Brock Hepler fender. Yeah. Oh, that was yep. funny. I, I, lo- I love all that stuff. So no, keep collecting. Absolutely. Um, before we get into the stuff that Cooper talked about, had to say about me, the last thing is I did mention, I'm going to Kiefer's this weekend. So if you guys listen to this next week, maybe there'll be some content. I don't know, but uh, yeah, flat in the morning. Kiefer, look, anybody that knows me knows this. Maybe some of you don't. I haven't been on a bike in probably six months. Haven't been on a two-stroke in about 20 years. Um, not in any kind of shape to really ride a lot. Haven't raced in a couple years. Last Saturday, I get a text from Heather Kiefer wanting me to change my flight from Sunday to Monday because 
Kiefer wants me to race on Sunday, so I do that. Uh, I text Kiefer Tuesday, Monday, maybe. I'm like, hey, man, when I land Thursday, I, I want to run by Race Tech and pick something up. And he's like, nope, you don't have time for that. So what do you mean? Uh, nope, I got plans for you. You're riding. You're getting a taste of what I do to the tester life. You're riding Thursday, you're riding Friday, you're riding Saturday, and you're racing Sunday. So, guys, I may not survive this week. Um, it's going to be a hell of a fun weekend, but I don't know that I'm physically capable of doing what Chris has in mind, but we're going to give it a shot. There will not be a wrap-up show next week. I'm pretty sure there is a pulp show, but there will not be a wrap-up show because of the schedule when I get home. But uh, Mason and Cotton, it, this is going to be an intense weekend for me, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I want to thank Steve, and I want to thank Chris for making the bike happen, Mike Ulrich at, uh, Ulrich at, at Yamaha for you know also making it happen. It's I appreciate what they've done for me. It's going to be an exciting weekend, a lot of fun. So thanks to those guys. Let's get to Cooper Webb and his comments on me. Uh, well, let's listen, and then I'm going to give some <laughs> my thoughts. Did you used to do the pony pod? He used to be on the pony pod. About once a month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, you know what? He's, <laughs> he's a busy guy. How much do you get hit up for media stuff? How much do you, like, how do you monitor that? Well, that, it's tough. Yeah. Because um, he is mad at me, but yeah, it was, it got to be where he was asking a lot yeah. of times. Right. And I just kind of ran out of excuses and he didn't really get like the the hint the hint oh yeah, yeah. so it was a little no tough. i i uh i can get it i understand it like yeah you got to know when to take the hint from somebody for sure but if your sponsors aren't asking you to do something you don't yeah. really want to willingly go do more sponsor obligations yep. so you gotta yep. have a fine line but absolutely i love loss all right so <sighs> if i'm gonna be straight honest i'm pretty i try to be pretty honest that it sort of hurt my feelings um because first, I'm going to acknowledge that if Cooper felt like I was hitting him up too much, then I probably was. That's what he felt, right? So I probably was. He said, like, I think Steve said, have you ever been on the Pony Pod? He's like, yeah, like every month. Dude, I, I met him the first time I had him on, I think was 2019. And he has been on my show a total of six times in, in three years. 19, 20, and 21. Those were the years he was on my show. Was not on, well, that's not even right. 18, 19, and 20. Wasn't on 21 at all. Hasn't been on this year. He was on my show six times. He only told me no that I remember maybe two times. Wasn't every month, man. That's, that that was a big exaggeration. The con, that kind of irritated me a little bit. Um, Cooper's pretty blunt. And that's what, you know, I, I know he was exaggerating, but I didn't like the way he said that. Amazing at all. Um, I, I Again, I acknowledge that he felt like I was asking him too much. The last time I asked him to come on was right before the 21 season. So it was late 2020. And he's like, yeah, man, I, I can't this week. So to me, I'm like, all right, well, you can't this week. I'm going to ask again next week or or maybe two weeks. So then maybe I did ask a couple more times and he just kind of ghosted me. And that's that's been that. Um, so, like, yeah, I feel like, all right, say, man, hey, I don't feel like doing the podcast. You know, give me a few months or something. Like, that's how I... Saying I can't do it this week doesn't tell me that you don't want to do it at all, you know. And but again, Mason, I guess I'll get your thoughts, what you think from the outside. Um, didn't add, didn't have him on anywhere near what he said, but maybe I did ask him too much. Uh, well, as a pulp fan, I mean, we want the honesty, and it sounded like Coop gave his honest opinion, and sure. you just gave yours. Yep. Um, I do think uh, obviously I might take your side on this one, just because you laid out the stats of 
when you asked him how how long it's been and all that kind of stuff um I don't know, man. It sucks. Uh, I hope he comes back around. It seems like if, if Steve could get Barsha back on his show, I think that you'll be able to get Coop back on yours. Yeah, let me cl- like He said I'm mad at him. I'm not mad at him. I don't get mad at people very often. I'm disappointed. I'm bummed. At Salt Lake City last year, I ran into him. I said, man, hey, are we cool? And he said, yeah, we're cool. I said, all right, you know, I'd love to get you back on the show. And he's like, man, yeah, I just kind of got to go through KTM now. I don't really just take personal texts or whatever for that stuff, which was him kind of saying you know i don't think that's true i think steve probably just goes through web but that was one of those hints that he was saying that i didn't get and at that point i did get it i was like all right he doesn't want to do it you know because if he wanted to do it he'd do it um but yeah go ahead cotton oh go ahead sorry dark side Uh, but he also um right after that had said that he doesn't really do too much outside of what ktm really asks him to do yeah and i doubt ktm asks him to do pulp um however it seems like steve's got some kind of insider over there but um i don't know man i it's tough i i i guess i could understand his side of it a little bit but i also understand yours more so it sucks man i'm sorry yeah i mean it's a bummer um the top level guys are hard to get and i did feel like coop and i had a like we were cool with each other you know um i started getting him on before he won his championship and we had a lot of talks off the record, you know, in the press conference before it would start or whatever. And I thought we were cooler than we, we clearly are. Uh, go ahead, Cotton. You got any thoughts? So honestly, I think that Coop was lying right there. And I think that what he wanted to say, but was scared to was, yeah. So like I wanted to come on the Moto X pod show and the wrap up show and all this stuff, but, Jamie got his hair cut, you know, he was dark side, and then he became Jamie, and, like, I I went up to him in the pits, and I asked him about it, and he just gave me a head nod and kept on walking by, like, I I don't know. (laughs) So, I cool guy him. That's a good point, you know what I'm saying? I think think the cool guy Cooper wins. Huh. What's that, Mason? I said, that's a good point by Cotton. Are you sure he knows that you're the same guy? Well, he said he didn't notice that I'd cut my hair, which I literally – Walked up to him Friday at the press conference, or no, it was during press. He was on the gate. I walked up to him and I said, "Hey, congrats on the on, on the baby," you know. And he's like, "Yeah, thanks, man." So he, I like, he either is not paying attention to me at all, or he didn't recognize me. I don't know, but that's I, hey, I'll go with your theory, Cotton. Sure, why not? No, no. To, to be comp- completely real. Like, you know, dark side, that's going to happen in in, in any sport, any industry. Uh, Wes Williams talked about it on 503 when the Verb guys were in. They were talking about doing the Moto Spy stuff and how, you know, when everything's going great, they're able to get in there and film and and have a good time and all this stuff. But when the shit hits the fan – it doesn't turn out too well. You start having people not wanting to answer your phone calls mm-hmm. or you start having, you know what I'm saying? Sure, like, sure, sure. It's just a part of it. And it's, it's your job. You're just doing your job. It's your job to provide content and to provide an inside source to random Joe blows like myself all around the world that are listening to this stuff. So, I mean, you're just doing your job. And even though, those guys are having a down moment or, or even if they're having an up moment when they don't want to talk to anybody in the media, or if they think that somebody's being too pushy, it's like, dude, you signed up for that. You're a pro athlete for a living. That's, that's a part of your job description. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with that, that they should do a lot of these interviews. Uh, you know, when Cooper said like, well, if my sponsors aren't asked me to, 
then you try not to. And I also get that, but I don't love that answer. I always appreciated Coop pretty much always said yes. Kind of like Dino yeah. and Zach's really good about that. Zacho always says yes. And you don't know uh, that you're asking too much. You just don't know unless they say, hey, man, that's what I'm saying. Like, instead of making excuses, which he did do a couple times, which, you know, I just thought there were legit reasons. I didn't know their excuses. Like, say, bro, right? you've asked, you know, twice in the last month, man, I kind of want a break. Okay, cool. Let me know. You know, and I've told guys lots of times, like, I'll text a guy during the week and I'll say, hey, man, can you come on the show? And I don't get an answer. And I'll, I'll check back maybe that night or the next day and say, hey, just checking back. And then maybe one more time I'll be like, man, I hope I'm not bothering you. I know you're super busy because I don't know exactly what their schedule is. Let me know because I do need to – I'm trying to make a schedule. And if I don't hear back, then I, I quit bothering them. So it's kind right. of – you got to have a little bit of back and forth. You got to have the writer saying, I can't right now or I don't want to right now for a while. And then, like, I'll respect that. But, yeah, I hope I hope our – like, it's not like a – damaged relationship or whatever. Hopefully he'll come back around because I've gotten zero response since the start of 21. And that, yeah, it sucks, man. Um, all right, let's get past that. Uh, motorsport.com. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you're racing the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at motorsport.com. Um, yeah, I think we're going to wrap this thing up. I got one question for you left. Uh, we'll go to you first, Mason. Alex Martin and Cullen Park were the rookies of the year. The question was asked, should there be an age limit because of Alex Martin on a rookie of the year? Um, what are your thoughts, man? I, I say no. I agree. No, there should not be. Uh, Cotton. No, I mean, nope. uh, honestly, a, a rookie is a rookie. If it's yep. your first year in the 450 class, it's your first year. It doesn't matter if you're 21 years old or 40 years old. I agree. I agree. Okay. Uh, I think that's going to be it for 504. I had a couple other things I was going to get into, but I have got to get on the road to catch an airplane. I want to thank motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, as well as all the sponsors of the Pulp Mix Show that aren't even pulp sponsors of the wrap-up show, Race Tech, X-Brand, Fly Racing, uh, everybody else that supports the show. It's, it's a big deal. We say this every week. Without the sponsors, there are no shows. Steve's not going to do it for free. I'm not going to do it for free. You go support those sponsors that are willing to support Pulp Mix, grill your ass off, etc., and it, we're allowed to keep getting this audio or this content. I love doing this. I enjoy doing it, so I want you guys to go out Go to the new Pulp Mix Show website, pulpmixshow.com. There are links. There are little um, icons for all the sponsors. You can click on them. Most of them have links to get to the website. They have discount codes. Use those things and support. Uh, before we go, Cotton, was there anything from 504 that you wanted to talk about that I missed? Um, nothing that's really off the top of my head. I okay. think we pretty much covered it all. I, I do want to you know, thank you for letting me be able to come on the show and uh, you know, I want to say thanks to Mason too. I mean, it was awesome. I've never met Mason, but it's awesome to kind of get introduced to him here. And, and, uh, you know, I think that it's awesome that guys like Mason and everybody else that are out there that kind of help support this show, 
Uh, I know sometimes you may think, Dark Side, that not a lot of people listen to it. But, hey, man, when I'm at work and I have nothing better to do because I just drive a forklift for a living, <laughs> I, you know, I, I want to stick stick a, a headphone in my ear and listen to some some people just talk crap about the motocross industry. Yeah. Just, whether, you know, whatever it may be. And, and so, honestly, I think that this is a great show, and I feel like it's growing and it's, it's going in the right direction. So I, I'm really thankful that you guys let me come on tonight. Well, I appreciate that, man. It means a lot to me. Uh, Mason, anything I missed? Uh, is Heather Kiefer checking you in at 3 a.m.? No, I have already checked in. My check-in time was 8.30 Central time this morning. I forgot, and I got a, a, long, a notice like a couple minutes late, so I did not get a good seat position. I tweeted about it, and she said something like, chill down, bro, it's not even time to check in yet. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's passed. Thank you. But no, but she is cooking for me, so that's fine. She's going to be cooking. Uh, she asked me what I wanted for dinner, you know, for her meal plan. So she's going to be cooking. We're going to hang out in the pool a little bit. It's going to be a good time. Uh, I think there may be a chance where I get to uh, meet you, Mason, if you're going to – you might be able to run out for a minute. So, um, yep. Yeah, if that works out. So hopefully we'll have that happen. We'll talk about it. Probably talk about it a lot more on the Moto X Pod show in two weeks because no no shows for me next week. But, if yeah, if you guys want to – and I'm sure there's going to be content up. Chris is probably going to do some stuff. We'll figure it out. So if you guys are interested, uh, keep keep up with the my Instagram and everything else. We'll, we'll talk more about this weekend when we can. Other than that, guys, that's a wrap for Pulp MX Show 504. Appreciate you guys. We are out. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Tell me.